Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Can your savings weather an economic storm? There are very few physical assets you can invest in that are proven to stand the test of time. Gold has withstood as a valued form of money for millennia. And Birch Gold lets you convert a retirement account into a tax-sheltered IRA and physical gold. That doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. Text COAST to 989898 and claim your free info kit on gold. Text COAST to 989898 and secure your savings today. Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, back with Garrett Graff, UFO, the inside story of the U.S. government search for alien life here and out there. We were talking about the case of police officer Lonnie Zamora, and that is the case that got uh, the late Dr. J. Allen Hydeck, who headed up Project Blue Book for the government, to believe that UFOs may be coming from extraterrestrial places. Garrett, it was an incredible story. Yeah, and, and as I was starting to say um, before the break, you know, the challenge for me is that witnesses like Lonnie Zamora are uniquely credible because what you had in his case was uh, there were uh, there were other witnesses who appeared very quickly, including a New Mexico State trooper who was on the scene just minutes after his encounter, there was some physical evidence that something happened. And it seems very clear that sort of something happened and upset Lonnie Zamora. And that he is not someone uh, who sort of had previous encounters or, or any subsequent encounters. And in fact, you know, he is not someone, um, he, he was widely respected in the community well-liked in the community, went on to sort of have a normal life after his encounter. And there's sort of no reason for him to have invented the story of an encounter like the one that he had. That's one of the things that stood out to J. Allen Hynek. It stood out to me reading that history um, and and testimonials and and, uh, reports years later. Um, And... You know, there are those category of witnesses 
um, that you see over and across the years who have encounters who have no reason to make up the story and, in fact, have quite a lot potentially to lose for reporting a UFO or UAP encounter. Um, I would put, by the way, those Navy pilots today, the Naval aviators today, that's that right. in recent years come forward with the same type of category. And to me, those types of encounters, those types of stories, really are what convince me that there is something here that is real, that is worth talking about, and um, would you know, that our government should be more interested in figuring out what is actually going on. When I first heard the Lonnie Zamora case, which occurred in 64, and I heard about it years later, but when I first heard about the case, Garrett, I thought maybe what he saw was a test landing of the lunar module, because this was five years before we landed on the moon. Maybe he saw astronauts testing this thing, taking off, flying down, and landing, and it, it would it sounded right, but then it hit me that nah, he saw something else. Yeah, and and you know, in some ways, at the time, you could have said that that was the easy, simple ex- explanation. He was close to the White Sands proving grounds in New Mexico. It was the heart of the Apollo program, the heart of the space race. But the challenge is, here we are, fifty, sixty years later, we have never seen a craft emerge from the U.S. government archives. We've never seen sort of declassified evidence of a craft that operates anything close to the way that what Lonnie Zamora uh, explained that he saw. Did your research in this book convince you otherwise that the U.S. government is holding back information? Well, this is a com- complicated story, um, and, and you know, sort of a complicated set of facts to try to untangle. Because we know that there is a U.S. government cover-up about UFOs. Um, you know, there are sort of several obvious cloaks of secrecy that we know exist in this world. Um, you know, as, as we discussed previously, some chunk of these sightings are the U.S. government's own secret plans, projects, experiments, and operations. No question. Uh, The CIA goes, uh, you know, went back and tallied up that they think almost half of all sort of publicly reported UFOs in the 1950s were the U-2 spy plane um, as it was being secretly developed during that decade, which was very much a UFO. It was a plane that flew at an altitude that planes did not fly at, that did not look like any known plane, flying at speeds that it planes were not known to fly. You know, if you were a commercial airline pilot in the 1950s, winging your way across the country and you saw a U-2 spy plane uh, uh, above you, that was a true UFO. And we know that sort of some chunk of today, uh, you're, you're sort of stumbling across similar efforts. We also know that there's a cloak of secrecy around, as we discussed, the advanced adversarial technology that's being tested against us um, by by foreign governments, um, China, Russia, Iran, um, you know, maybe other governments. Um, and we know that because the Pentagon has said that it has detected some of this as adversarial 
technology. But the government just is squirrely about what its sensors pick up, what it detects, what it doesn't detect, and it doesn't really necessarily want to let on everything that it knows about some of these UAP sightings for the purposes of not sort of sharing with China and Russia what it sees and what it doesn't. So, you know, you have sort of those cloaks of secrecy that we know about. At the heart of the government uh, cover-up, though, I think John Brennan, um, as I mentioned earlier in the show, um, when he said in December 2020 that there's stuff up there that he's puzzled by, that he doesn't know what it is, I think that that was an honest comment, that I think he... Um, I, I think that U.S. government leadership is honestly confused and unsure of what a lot of these UFOs and UAPs actually are. Um, and one of the things that sort of bothers me as a taxpayer and a citizen writing about this subject is the lack of curiosity and serious study about what these things actually are. Um, Unless it's going on clandestinely, it could be. It could be clandestine. Yes, um, but I I don't think that um, I, you know when you see these high level figures making comments that are sort of as genuinely puzzled as what John Brennan was saying. Um, I think that there is at least some chunk of this phenomenon that they are still quite puzzled by and i think they should care more about what the what the answers are do you think it's still conceivable within government that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing A absolutely and we we have all sorts of evidence across the 80 years that i really sort of spent uh or the, the 80 years that i really try to study in this book of the government not knowing what the government was doing. Um, you, you know, you, you have the very famous case from the dawn of what was sort of then still called the Flying Saucer Age um, when top, Captain Thomas Mantle, um, who was a Kentucky Air National Guard pilot, is dispatched in a P-51 to chase a UFO over the skies of Louisville. Kentucky, and he is um, uh, he and a, a couple of, of flight mates are, are dispatched, um, and they race after what they see as a giant object. This is January seventh, nineteen forty-eight, in the skies over uh, Central Kentucky, and. Captain Thomas Mantle um, ends up flying, um, you know, the official government report is, later is that he ends up flying too high in the sky um, without oxygen, um, trying to chase whatever this object is, and that he ends up uh, passing out and his plane crashes and he's killed. Yeah. And there's, there's a real moment of panic in inside the government that, you know, whatever these UFOs are, whatever these flying saucers are, um, you know, did, did they shoot down Captain Thomas Mantle? Um, you know, are they actively hostile against U.S. aircraft? And 
It's actually um, Project Blue Book, years later, um, about four years later, 1952, finally pieces together what they think happened to um, Thomas Mantle. Um, And Edward Ruppelt, a name I'm sure your listeners know, who's the um, head of Project Blue Book at the time, figures out that there was a secret Navy research balloon that he was chasing after. Um, and that sort of the Navy never mentioned to the Air Force, uh, that it had this capability and that it had, um, that he had died, uh, you know, chasing the U.S. government's own project. It was an incredible case. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. In your savings, weather an economic storm. Think about what you've put away for the future. Inflation can render cash worthless. Real estate can crash like in 2008. Economies built on a mountain of debt can fall like a house of cards. And there are very few physical assets you can invest in that can stand the test of time. Gold has withstood as a valued form of money for millennia. It's why people are flocking to it now and why Birch Gold is busier than ever. Through a little-known tax loophole... Birch Gold can let you convert a retirement account into a tax-sheltered IRA and physical gold. And the best part, it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket to make that change. To learn more, text COAST to 989898 and claim your free info kit on gold. Let me ask you this again. Can your IRA or 401k weather an economic storm? If not, call the people I trust, Birch Gold. Text COAST to 989898 and secure your savings today. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure... It kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. 
Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What did you think of the late Harvard uh, professor John Mack, who spent part of his career chasing down alien abduction cases? Yeah, I, I, I spend a couple of chapters sort of wrestling in in the book um, with the the stories of alien abductions um, and, you know, all of those names that I'm sure your listeners know, John Mack, Bud Hopkins, and, and others. And, it, you know, to me, it, is, it was one of the more fascinating corners of this subject because, you know, what, what John Mack and, and Bud Hopkins and others who look at this uh, phenomenon come away convinced is that, some real trauma has happened to these people who report these types of encounters that they um you know that they share all of the hallmarks of trauma victims and that there is not a shared psychology behind them before they experience their encounters you know these were not necessarily people um you know for instance who all had a type of mental illness before they had, uh, you know, reports of their encounters with aliens. Um, where I think I settle is, you know, that, that at a certain level, we, we have to believe them, that, you know, that they are coming forward and telling the truth as they understand it, that they have had um, some type of encounter um, that, at least for now, remains unexplainable to us. Um, I don't necessarily end up uh, concluding that I think that, you know, that necessarily means that they are being abducted by aliens, but that they're, they are having an encounter of some kind Something's happening. with a force that we don't yet understand. What is it about Harvard? Now we have Professor Avi Loeb doing his thing. Yes, and, and you know, I, I actually was uh, did an event with Avi Loeb last week at the Chicago Humanities Festival, um, and you know, one of the things that sort of kept going through my mind was, you know, the the sort of main uh, figure arguing against um, the. Uh, you know, the sort of early UFO and, um, uh, early UFO and early flying saucer age was Avi Loeb's predecessor, sort of the debunker in chief, Harvard astronomer Donald Menzel. That's right. Um, and I was thinking about sort of how far we have come in astronomy in 50 years that you go from Donald Menzel, who was the, um, you know, the, the arc type skeptic to Avi Loeb, who, uh, you know, is about as close to a serious believer as you can find these days. When you read the context of the Bible, Garrett, and it talks about fallen angels and things like that, if you add in and replace them with extraterrestrials, it still makes a lot of sense. You know that? Yes, and I think one of the things that it is very clear is that there, um, you know, you, you go about sort of through 
almost any civilization in human history, and they report weird things in the sky. Um, and they, um, you know, this is not something that was totally invented in the summer of 1947 by Kenneth Arnold in the Pacific Northwest. This is sort of something that uh, humans have wondered about and struggled with for their entire, for our entire existence. And, and to me, part of what makes this story so interesting is the way that it mixes spirituality and science. Um, you know, that this question of are we alone is one of the two or three most profound questions of human existence. You know, right up there with is there a God and what happens to us after death? And I don't know that we will ever solve, um, you know, those latter two questions, but I am very optimistic that we will solve that first question of are we alone? Um, you know, if humanity uh, pursues it in uh, and we sort of give ourselves as a civilization the chance to live long enough to explore it. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.